0: What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. Please follow us on Instagram at Slab Stocks. Subscribe to us on YouTube and subscribe to our newsletter by navigating to slabstocks.com and punching your email address in at the top of the page. We are continuing our series evaluation of the 2018 NBA draft. I'm gonna finish this draft up next week and then it's on to 2017. Uh, So this draft review will be three weeks altogether. Uh, A few really exciting players this week, but I'm only going to be covering picks 7 through 13 today uh, simply because I want to save Michael Porter Jr. for next week. Just got to give you something to look forward to. Uh, Before we continue on, I would like to put a bow on last week's conversation. I had a number of people that reached out to me that really didn't like my Trey Young takes last week, which to be honest, I understand. Um, But there are a few things I would like to sort out. First of all, my main point wasn't that he was a bad defender. I only brought up his defense because his bad defense coupled with the Hawks roster issues around him leads to some real questions about whether they're going to have a winner by year five of Trey Young's career. In my thinking... By year five we've had four more drafts with more young exciting players. By year five Trey Young is on a max contract and he'll start to be judged differently by the collective NBA mindset as a result of that. And by year five the narrative will really have shifted on him if his team has not built a consistent winner around him. That was my main point. But there are a number of people that were trying to refute me by saying the exact same things that I was that if he keeps winning then no one cares about his defense. And That's what I said, so I agree with that. You know, one of two things is true here. Either people aren't watching the full segment on a given player before arguing against my takes, which, you know, hey, that's fine, that'll happen, or I'm just not explaining myself well enough, and I don't want that to be the case. So if that is the case, that I'm not explaining myself well enough, I do wanna explain myself better. We're in an unprecedented time for the card market. You know, I have no idea where it's going to go from here. The best way to know how to defend you from any type of market backlash is simply to encourage you to invest your money wisely, just by trying to figure out which players are going to continue to remain profitable investments for you down the line. You know, I'm never going to say I like, you know, X player and he should be going for X amount of dollars because, you know, that's all just arbitrary and it's eventually going to hurt you. I try to take a holistic approach to my evaluations, I consider offense, I consider playmaking, I try to consider the team, I consider the market, I consider the teammates, I try to consider the media-driven narrative, and yes, I consider defense, not because I'm taking a simplistic approach of, oh, he's a bad defender, so no one wants to invest in him, because that would be moronic. I consider defense because it's one of the many factors involved in whether or not a team can actually win. And teams understand all of these factors even better than we do and jobs are on the line if they can't win so teams will adapt frequently sometimes the moves that they make might not be good for our investments and we also have the media to consider which shares quite a bit of responsibility for the hype that ultimately drives these players prices you know they also have their jobs to consider their job security is based around tv viewership and clicks and reads and all of that stuff and like it or not sometimes good players will get overlooked simply because of all of the circumstances surrounding said player. Two of those big circumstances are if they are not in a premium NBA market and if they're not on a winning team. So look, I love Trey Young. He's very fun to watch. He's clearly and easily one of the best offensive players in the entire league. That's why I recommended him as a buy, believe it or not. But if by year five, he's still in Atlanta, he's still losing, we've all moved on to the next exciting young point guard prospect, then his prices are probably going to start to struggle a little bit. I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but it is a real possibility, which is again why I say he's a bye, but there are real questions that we need to keep in our minds moving forward so that we don't lose money. All right, that's the end of my rant. We're picking up in the 2018 NBA draft, going from one controversial topic to the next, because next up is pick number eight to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Colin Sexton. Now, I've really pooped on Sexton up to this point in his career, but he's also one of those players that I worry I might just get stuck in my perception on him and then maybe miss out on what's really going on. I think we can all fall into that trap from time to time. So I've spent a great deal of time recently just trying to figure him out. And it's been tough because I'm definitely not alone in my confusion over him. I think he's probably one of the most divisive players in the league right now as far as the analysts go. Um, And spending as much time researching him over the past few weeks as I have, I think I've started to suffer from Stockholm Syndrome just a little bit. I'm kind of starting to like him. You know, there are a lot of things outside of Sexton's control that have led to him being such a divisive player to analyze. Uh, number one, he was the primary return in the Kyrie Irving trade, uh, especially since the Isaiah Thom- Thomas portion of that trade failed uh, failed so spectacularly. Uh, so he was drafted already stacked with some negativity against him. Number two... He was taken before Shea Gilders alexander and Michael Porter Jr., and that's not his fault, but those two players are going to be compared to him simply because they were still available when the Cavs picked. Number three, the Cavs have been a mess the last couple years. Sexton has already had four different head coaches in just two seasons so far. Uh, And number four, he was drafted with a point guard label, which clearly he's not a point guard and not in consideration for point guard anymore, but that label has stuck with him, and a number of his deficiencies stand out all the more if you consider him to be a point guard. Uh, so there are definitely a number of deficiencies for Colin Sexton. You know, for one, he's gotta be better at distributing the ball. No, he's not a point guard, but playmaking for his teammates has to improve if he's going to get to that next level as a player. He's a good on-ball defender, which shows up on the tape. But when he's off-ball, he shows almost no defensive recognition at all. In in fact, some of the advanced metrics paint him as a bottom-three defender in all of basketball. Uh, He's a huge part of the equation for the Cavs having the second-worst defense in the league. And that's a huge part of the reason why the Cavs are the second-worst team in basketball this year. So he's got to get better on that side of the ball if his league-wide perception is ever going to change. I don't care about defense in a vacuum, but I do when it starts affecting the team. So there's a lot lot of good stuff to go through, though. He has really made some strides this season. For the whole season, he's averaged 21 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, and a steal while shooting 47% from the field and 38% from 3 on 4 attempts per game. Uh, Generally pretty good, notwithstanding the low assist numbers that I've already alluded to. Uh, After Jordan Clarkson was traded near the end of December, Sexton's usage ticked up a little bit. And the assist percentage also increased by about 2%, which is an encouraging sign. Uh, regarding his 38% three-point uh, percentage, uh, before the Clarkson trade, he was only shooting 28% from deep on the course, over the course of 30 games. And in the 36 games since, he shot 43% from deep, and that's really encouraging he started getting to the line a bit more after the trade he was even hitting at a better rate after the trade from the line so in a lot of ways offensively he's really improved as the season went on especially after jordan clarkson's 25 percent usage was shipped out of town so all told he's kind of a hard player to evaluate you know, by all accounts, he's an extremely hard worker, very dedicated to his craft, and takes you know seriously the knocks that are listed against his game, and, and he does try to improve those things, and for that reason, I don't think I'm going to be betting against him, you know, but he is undersized as a shooting guard, combo guard, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he didn't really make any de- defensive strides at all this year, and the Cavs were much, much worse by net rating when he was on the court. Uh, he still isn't a great creator for his teammates but I'm not counting out on him improving in those areas. But, you know, it really does seem like maybe his best role moving forward as a sixth man, uh, which would be fine, you know, it'd be a fine role for him in the NBA, playing against second units as the leader of the second unit, scoring in bunches, serving as a spark, club. I, a spark plug, sorry, I think that could be a good role for him. But with deficiency, with his deficiencies, the path forward as an effective starter remains a little bit murky. I know it was uh, Zach Lowe that wrote a few weeks well, a few months ago probably now, that uh, his, you know, his ceiling is on a contender, probably not even the top one or two options, which I think is a pretty good representation for his ceiling. His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards have been auctioning off the past few weeks in the $150 range on average. I'm not betting against him as a player. Again, I think he has some real abilities to be a good player, and he certainly seems to have the work ethic to improve on those areas that he needs to, uh, but I don't know that I'm sold on him as a buy either. It just seems to be too much risk and, and too many question marks around him and, and the team that he's on and his future role on that team. So I like him quite a bit more now than I ever thought I would. Again, Stockholm Syndrome maybe. Uh, but I just still can't shake all of those questions. You know, I think he's still a hold for at least another year and then maybe I'd be selling. Unless of course he takes another leap, but you know we'll have to reconvene on that in the next year or so. Um, If you don't already have Colin Sexton to hold and sit on, I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't recommend you to buy. Maybe spend your money elsewhere. With the ninth pick in the 2018 NBA draft, the New York Knicks selected Kevin Knox. He is a bust. You should be selling. Just because I feel I have to mention this, his PSA 10 Prism silver rookie cards auctioning off in the $30 to $40 range. Sell, hold, I don't care what you do, just don't buy. Next up with the 10th pick, Ending up with the Phoenix Suns, Mikel Bridges. I really feel bad for Bridges. For 45 minutes on draft night, he was the feel-good story of the draft. He was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, ended up playing college at Villanova in Philadelphia's backyard, won two national championships for his hometown team. On top of all that, his mom is an executive working within the Philadelphia 76ers organization, and on draft night with the 10th pick, the 76ers were keeping the family together. Mom was happy, son was happy, tears, tears were flowing, and his good feelings all around. 45 minutes later, they ship him almost as far away as possible to Phoenix for Zaire Smith in Miami's 2021 first round pick. In two years, Zaire Smith has played 143 minutes over the span of 13 games for the 76ers, and I really think a lot of the holes in the Sixers roster would have been a perfect fit for Mikel Bridges to fill. Meanwhile, I just don't think the fit is as clean in Phoenix for Bridges. But that said, I really like what he's done in Phoenix so far, and I really wish he'd been doing all these things in Philadelphia because we'd all be much higher on him if he were doing it in Philly. So... Uh, let's look into what he's done in Phoenix. In two years in the league, Bridges has uh, he solidified his spot as a good wing defender, You know, one of the best in the league. He can effectively guard four positions, and by all calculations, he was one of the best 50 or so defensive players in basketball, which is pretty good for a young player. I know defense doesn't mean much for his cards, but it does afford him a long leash in on an NBA roster and will be a key to him having a long NBA career. Offensively, the start of this season was Pretty rough for Bridges, you know, with a new coaching staff, he was averaging under 20 minutes a game for the first two months of the season, and he only contributed six points, 3.4 rebounds, and an assist and a steal and a half. He did that while shooting only 21% from three, which is obviously terrible. Uh, At some point during December, Monty Williams realized that Bridges should be playing, and in the new calendar year, he averaged 33 minutes per game, which is great. You know, after that cold start to the season from December onward, Bridges shot 38% from three and averaged 10 points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal and a half. He was extremely efficient with a sh- true shooting of 64%. You know, wasn't like an amazing facilitator by any means, but he showed a willingness to pass and to create for his teammates from the wing. All told, I like Michael Bridges quite a bit. I've talked about him before. You know, he's never going to be a top two player on a contender or anything like that he's never going to be the focal point of an offense but he really looks like he's going to be a very good three and d type of player you know the type of glue guy that's going to earn tons of praise from his teammates wherever he goes he should be a starter long term in this league as a low usage three and d guy which every team needs you know he's spending his time covering the opposing team's best wings and there's just a ton of value in that type of player on the court of course there's less value for us as investors his PSA 10 Prism silver rookie cards are auctioning off in the 30 to mid $30 range, which, I mean, it's just absolutely nothing compared to a lot of these guys. Um, it's right around where Kevin Knox is going for, and while I don't think that Kevin Knox is going to get many more starts in his career, I do think Bridges is clearly a long-term starter. Uh, of course, playing in Phoenix does hurt his value. Not being an eye-popping highlights type of guy hurts his value, and also not being a big-time offensive threat clearly hurts his value. But I still think he's a value buy, especially when you compare him to Kevin Knox. You know, I really don't think we're ever going to see much of a drop from these, these basement prices. He's the type of player that should be a local fan favorite wherever he goes. So, you know, I think there's some sneaky value here. I think he's a buy, although I'd never expect any, like, astronomical returns or anything like that. Uh, but still a value buy at 30 bucks. I mean, why not? Hey, this episode of Sam Dunks has been brought to you by Daddy Issues with Joe Buck and Oliver Hudson. It's a new podcast that has soared to the top of the iTunes sports podcast charts. Just an unfiltered conversation giving us an honest look at what it's like to navigate the world of today. Uh, You know, the two hosts explore a wide range of topics from raising kids and parenting to work-life balance to sports, hobbies, marriage, and much, much more. Each week they're joined by a friend, usually one that you would know. Uh, They feature guest appearances from Alex Rodriguez, Bill Simmons, David Spade, Joel McHale. Uh, The most recent episode released last weekend features Jeannie Buss, president of the Los Angeles Lakers organization. A really interesting interview I thought. I always really enjoy getting a peek into the NBA front offices because that's just not the type of access we usually get. So I would encourage you to check out that episode after you're done listening to this one. And if you do so, please click the link below this video in the YouTube description. That way they will know that we sent you to them. All right. With the next pick in the 2018 NBA draft, one of my favorite players from this draft class, pick number 11, ending up with the Los Angeles Clippers, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, of course, now he plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder as he was the centerpiece for the Powell, uh, the Powell, Paul George trade. Uh, part of just a masterclass offseason from Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder. He took a Thunder team that probably wasn't going to go very deep in the playoffs and that owed a combined $276 million or so dollars to Russell Westbrook and Paul George. He spun PG3 into Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and five first-round picks and two pick swaps. Then he flipped Westbrook for Chris Paul and two first-round picks and two more pick swaps. Uh, you know, now the, the Rockets and the Thunder, they actually share the same record as the season stands. Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta appears like he may be broke based on some of the news we've seen from him lately. And to top it all off, the Thunder were on pace to finish with a better record this year than they did last year. And they're really well set up for the future. A big part of all of that is the young guard out of Kentucky, Shade Gilgis-Alexander. I really think this draft class is going to end up having quite a bit of... Uh, NBA All-Stars, All-NBA Hall of Fame level players. Obviously, Luca and Trey Young are on that level. I'm also high on Triple J and Michael Porter Jr. long-term. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is right there with all of them to really make some big waves long-term in this league. In 35 minutes per night, Shea averaged 19 points, six rebounds, three assists, just over a steal in almost a block. He shot 47% from the field and 35% from three and 80% from the line. On the surface, a lot of his numbers look pretty similar to Colin Sexton's, but you go a little bit deeper and there's just so much more to like. He's uh, pretty strong in the catch-all performance metrics. His on-off splits are really quite good. The Thunder are quite a bit better when he's playing. Uh, Obviously, he has better teammates than Sexton does in Cleveland. I understand that. Uh, But Shea playing alongside better teammates really also makes him look better when you consider a few other factors. You know, playing alongside a rejuvenated Chris Paul uh, his, you know, Shay's assist numbers remain pretty low, but I don't think there's anything holding him back in that category if he's given playmaking responsibilities again in the future. Only 21 years old, being moved off of his primary position due to playing alongside CP3, he showed an adaptability which is really admirable in a young player. Uh, his usage was a touch under 24% this year, but I think as that rises in the coming years, There's no reason Shea can't be a 24.6 rebound, 7 assists, steal and a half block type of guy. And, you know, obviously that would be like a top 20 player in this league. Uh, He's been an active contributor to winning thus far in his career, and I I think that's going to continue. I think he's going to be an all-star in the next probably two years. And after that, then he's just a regular in the national conversation. He clearly has some things to iron out, namely getting those assists back up once the ball's in his hands more. Uh, He has to improve his three-point shot, but none of that seems impossible or even improbable. I would not be betting against him. So I have Shea as a clear buy in this draft class. Uh, There hasn't been too many uh, rookie card PSA 10 Prism Silver auctions recently, although the ones that have finished recently ended around $400. So I think he's a clear buy. I really like his potential moving forward, and I really like the position this team is in moving forward. The Oklahoma City Thunder figure uh, to be in the Western Conference playoff picture for the foreseeable future. They're well-equipped to make a run at any disgruntled star that demands a trade. So no hesitation at all in recommending Shea as a buy, and there's just a ton to like about that entire situation. Uh, the last guy on my list today that I'm really going to spend much time on is Miles Bridges, the other Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, he's been a big disappointment so far in his career, didn't have any sort of jump in his sophomore season, and we're going to have to hope for a third year jump from him. And I think everyone really thought his his sophomore year was going to be a huge opportunity for the young Miles Bridges. Uh, the rest of the roster was pretty devoid of any talent and looked like he could step in and be a, an offensive leader on this team. Um, but he responded to those hopes with only 13 points, six rebounds, two assists, shot 42% from the field, and only 33% from deep on 4.6 attempts per game. Obviously a ton to be desired. Per 36 minutes, he only saw a slight increase in scoring over his rookie year, but his defensive numbers were down, his rebounding was down, his shooting was down. Obviously just not the type of season that we were all hoping for or predicting uh, just this past year. Uh, he'd probably be better off developmentally if he could slide down to the four and be a you know a bit of a smaller power forward. Uh, of course, now they have P.J. Washington that's playing most of the minutes at that position. He was quite a bit more impressive than as a rookie than Miles Bridges was as a sophomore this year. So kind of hard to project what Bridges is going to be moving forward. Uh, really, in almost everything, he took a step back. So I wouldn't expect him to take another step back, but I don't know if he's gonna make a leap I wouldn't be surprised either, though. Uh, he certainly will have every opportunity to do so on this Charlotte team. His PSA 10 Prism Silver rookie cards are auctioning off in the 40 to $50 range. So a bit more than Michael Bridges, although I like Mikhail quite a bit more. Um, but Miles at least has the illusion of possibly becoming a driving force in this offense. Um, but he currently appears to be a long way away from that. So I don't know what to recommend, really. <laughs> Uh, sell i guess although you know if you could risk losing it all waiting another year to see if he could make a jump makes some sense to me i wouldn't be banking on him ever being a top 100 player but you know who really knows guys go through spurts of growth all the time and that could certainly happen for miles bridges um but i'm not recommending him as a buy because that seems like a risk uh I want to start next week's video with Michael Porter Jr., as I said earlier, which means that the last player under consideration for this week is Jerome Robinson. And I'm not going to spend any time on him. Uh, he's been just really bad thus far. He's already on his second team and not for good reasons like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He was shipped out of L.A. for uh, with Moe Harkless and with two first-round picks to pick up Marcus Morris. Can't play defense, hasn't shot it well at all, also hasn't done anything else of note. Uh, he's now playing for a really bad Washington Wizards team, and I don't foresee things changing for him anytime soon. His PSA 10 Prism Silver rookie guards are auctioning just really for not a lot, and not very often, and I probably just hold and hope for the best, I guess, uh, if you are someone that's holding on to one of his 29 PSA 10 rookie guards. If you're sitting on an ungraded rookie, again, probably just hold and hope for the best. Uh, you're not out much at this point anyways, but I wouldn't be holding your breath. All right. That's all I have the time for today. As always, feel free to comment on YouTube or on Instagram. I do like to continue the conversation down there and I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, But that is, again, all I have time for. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you again next time.